In today's interview for the Pickleball Fire podcast, I talk with Michelle Dable, who had acute liver failure and was given a 50% chance to live. She not only survived, but started participating in the transplant games in numerous sports. When pickleball was added to the U.S. Games in 2018, Michelle decided to learn the sport. Since then, she's been teaching and growing the game of pickleball, both for organ transplant recipients and others in the New Jersey area. So let's get to the intro to hear more from Michelle. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Michelle Dable. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. I wanted to have you on the podcast because I think you have really an interesting story. And I think the way we got connected initially was a Facebook group, I think Northeast Pickleball. And I saw your profile when you joined. And like I said, I thought you had a very interesting story as to why you started playing pickleball. So go ahead and and talk about the reasons why you started playing the sport. Okay. Yeah. You know, I was an avid tennis player and I've always loved athletics and found that they keep my head clear. They just make me a happier person. And I've loved the people I've had the chance to meet playing sports. And I've had this sort of weird occurrence where I needed a, a liver transplant. And I woke up to be told I had this transplant and I lost really all my ability to muscles and things. They just wasted away. And so I had to relearn how to walk and like get, not like get to the mailbox was an effort. Getting from the kitchen table to the couch was an effort. And it, and it took months and I had never had that experience of not being physically capable of doing something that my brain said, hey, let's go do this. And I met some folks along the way that said, you know, it'll get easier. And it did. And it, you know, I started to get stronger. And then I went for a massage because I was just stressed out by everything. And the massage therapist turns out to have been a living kidney donor to her mother. And as she's talking to me and I'm mentioning that I love sports and I would love to have my muscles back to be able to do something. She says, you have to go to the transplant games. You need to meet the people of Team Liberty. And I look at her completely blank. I don't, I've never heard of the transplant games and I don't know what Team Liberty is. But it turns out that there's an entire network across the United States and really internationally of transplant recipients that raise awareness for organ donation by competing in what is similar to the Olympics, but for transplant recipients. So this gets me motivated. <laughs> so I meet folks and I find out, well, what kind of events? And essentially any event, sporting event you can think of is at these transplant games. They happen in the United States every two years on the even years when there's not COVID. And they happen on the odd years internationally. So I got involved and I like to play tennis. So I got back into playing tennis. I started to play a little basketball with my kids, a little ping pong in the backyard and gradually got stronger and stronger and went to compete at my first transplant games in Pittsburgh. And as soon as I get there, I'm standing at a drink and somebody says, what'd you get? And I look down and I said, an iced tea. And they, the guy looks at me and goes, no, what kind of organ? And I'm like, oh, a liver. <laughs> it was the first time anybody had ever asked me that kind of question, you know? 
So I enter this world of transplant and it's just one giant family. Every single person you meet is so grateful to be alive on the recipient side, but even the donor families are there and the recipients are honoring them and thanking them, even if they're not truly connected. The donor families are there so happy that a part of their loved one's legacy is continuing. And even if they don't know who their direct recipient is, they're happy to see the results that these are now people that are thriving. So the games are these competitive things, but they're not, that's not really the purpose. You know, the purpose is to, to say, hey, transplant successful if people share the, the love and the legacy of their family members or even those that consider being living donors. So fast forward a few years after competing several times in tennis and basketball, volleyball, ping pong, ball throw, I went to skiing for winter games and things like that. They decided to add something called pickleball. Never heard of pickleball before. My tennis partner says, hey, we got to learn. You got to come play pickleball. I go to Florida. This game's amazing. When I come up, I'm going to show you how to play pickleball. And we're going to compete at that in the transplant games together. Okay. All right. So she teaches me this game and I'm like, this is such a fun game. And I hook, line and sinker, fall in love with it. And I think the thing that I like the most is transplant recipients, some that receive heart transplants were people that were so sick their entire life that they were never allowed to exercise. So they're told you can't exercise, your heart can't take it. Now they get this transplant and they can come do an exercise like pickleball because they can learn slowly, but they have to learn how to move their body, but they can do it without too much effort in the beginning. And then they can progress and get better and better. And they can, everybody can play together, which I've seen time and time again happen, even with the age brackets and the generations now, like it's such a cool game that it can bridge all that and neutralize you know, if you can play smarter, you don't have to play so hard. And so I, I just have really, really loved finding pickleball as an alternative sport. You know, my, my right shoulder, I'm a righty. My, from all the tennis years, I'm a slicer and serving slice. I got a little tear in that back shoulder. So overheads are a little tricky. But pickleball allows me to underhand serve and play the game and not really damage my shoulder anymore and, and maybe prolong or avoid shoulder surgery. I just wanted to break in here and say, as pickleball players, we want to get better at the sport. And it was in a recent interview with Hella Spar, I realized I didn't even do 10% of what she talked about on the court. So I've signed up for a doubles course, and you may want to consider doing so too. You can get more information by going to pickleballfire.com doubles. And just to let you know, I do make an affiliate commission if you purchase her course, and this helps to support the Pickleball Fire podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Now, were you one of those people who were sick a long time before the liver transplant? No, I didn't even know I was sick. So I was, I had opened my own business, a cafe. I was working morning, noon, and night, dedicating everything I had to launching this business. And probably, I guess it was about four or five months into it, I was tired. Yeah, I didn't pay much attention to the tired. Finally got tired, got more significant. And so I went to the doctor and said, you know, I'm super tired. I've never been this tired. Granted, I've never worked the hours I'm working, but I just don't feel good. 
And, you know, he said, all right, you know, let's do some blood work. We'll see what's going on. It's probably you're just working too much. You need to take a month off from work. And that freaked me out because it's a brand new cafe. And how do you take a month off from work? But of course, I listened to the doctor. I took a month off. At the end of that month, I still felt the same. I still felt awful. So I went back and I said, you know, I still don't feel well. And I negotiated my way back to work because it's my business. I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to balance this. I had two small children at home. My husband was working full time in the city. Everybody was doing all they could to make this work with me home. But now I needed to go back. So he agreed to let me go back to work if I did a blood test every two weeks. And on the, I think it was the second blood test before I even got out of well, maybe a little bit out of the parking lot of the hospital. He got, I guess, word of the blood test. It wasn't even to the, wasn't even a 20 minute drive. And I got called back to turn around. I needed to be admitted. Now, now I'm thinking they're out of their mind. Why do I have to be admitted? I got to go to work. But I again, listened and I, I go and I, you know, I call my husband like, oh, I'm getting admitted to the hospital. I don't know what the heck's going on, but you know, somebody's got to deal with the kids, get them out of school. You know, somebody's got to go to the cafe and make sure things get locked up or whatever. And I, I went to the hospital here in New Jersey uh, at Overlook Hospital, and I thought I would just come in and out, but I was super tired, so I had the chance to sleep, and they were running all kinds of tests, and I just would sleep and have a test, go back to sleep, have a test, and I figured I'd be getting out of there. And on like day four, I thought I took a nice long nap, but it ended up that a doctor came in and talked to me, which I don't really remember. Kind of said, you know, she told me later that I, I said I wanted to transfer you to a different hospital just for the weekend so that on Monday they could run some tests and then I'd bring you back. And so she called the hospital where she wanted to send me so that they could do some additional tests just because her gut feeling was something wasn't right, but she couldn't put her finger on it. She came in on Saturday and transferred me to University Hospital in Newark, which was at the time called UMDMJ. And they are the nearest liver transplant program. Again, I didn't know anything about that. I got transferred on a Saturday and on Sunday morning when they came to check on me, I had, they found me unconscious. I had acute liver failure. I didn't, I shocked the doctors. They didn't expect that to happen. They really did think they were going to bring me back after a couple of tests. And, you know, when you have acute liver failure, you only get about 24, maybe 48 if you're super lucky to live. So they, they put you in an induced coma. And they called my family and they kindly told my husband that I had a 50-50% chance of survival. That was a high odd. You know, I know now the statistics and the number of people waiting for transplants and the number of people that die every day waiting. I am beyond lucky. So simultaneously, I later learned that my donor was in a terrible car accident several days before I was admitted to the hospital with acute failure or was in the hospital with acute failure. And her daughter came up from Florida to see her and to learn that she had sustained terrible injuries, uh, brain injuries that she would not recover from. Carol had not registered to be an organ donor, but she thankfully had a small conversation. Carol is my donor. Small conversation with her daughter, Becky, saying if anything were to happen to her, she would want to help other people. So Becky was asked, would you want to donate your mom's organs and tissue to save someone else? And thankfully, Becky said yes. So I received the perfect matched type O liver from someone who was two years older than me, who was in excellent health, 
other than this terrible car accident. Two other people received Carol's kidneys and the last I had heard, there was over 10 people that received tissue. And so Carol's corneas gave someone sight and probably helped burn victims and other people that need tissue for reconstructive surgeries. So just the sheer luck of being in the right place, the right hospital, a doctor who transferred me to a center that had a liver transplant program and a donor and a family who said yes, their worst moment. I'm here. It really is an incredible story, and I'm so glad to be talking to you today. Thank you. I, I, I was wondering, did you think, I mean, once you learned about the game of pickleball, did you think, wow, I wish I would have had that sooner after the transplant, uh, known about pickleball sooner and, and got into it? Because like you said, it probably is a bit easier to play in terms of sports. Yeah, you know, think back on it. I was super frustrated when the doctor said, you can't do anything right now. You, you're going to go home. And the most strenuous thing you're going to do is probably eating. And then after you get through that, you can maybe wipe the table. And I, I, I was just floored. You know, like, how could that be? And then I realized, you know, when I tried to walk, how difficult that was. So then when I got to walking, I was like, all right, well, now I'm bored out of my mind. I can walk. What else do, can I do? And then it was like, walk further. So then I would walk further. And I never really gave walking much credit until doing that and realizing that you can actually get pretty, pretty fit walking if you can just, for me, deal with the boredom of walking. <laughs> you know, I'm a pretty active or I wasn't active before transplant. I'm even more active now. Walking just wasn't cutting it for me. So I did get into cycling and that was helpful. But I think pickleball was really the answer because you need, I think everybody needs some level of socializing. And it's such a wonderful social game. And COVID made it really, really clear how important that is. I mean, I have groups playing outdoors as a, a USAPA ambassador. I've you know, started to get one more people to play with. So I started to you know, get my friends involved. And then they got their friends involved. And I started this small group in a little local town, a couple people. It's now got a list of 250 people that grows every day. And then I started another one in a neighboring town, same exact thing. And I, I saw everybody's fitness and their skills come up together. And now I, I train everybody on, anybody on Team Liberty that wants to learn how to play pickleball. I teach them how to play and I tell them, this is where I'm playing. This is where you can come play. Tell me when. I know, I've got nets in my car. I've got balls in my car. I got a ball machine. I, I think I now have like 12 paddles. My husband thinks I'm out of my mind, but he's, he's also learned and likes the game. So yeah, if, if I would have learned pickleball earlier on, I think I would have probably found it much more effective mentally and physically than walking. Now, how many people are playing pickleball from Team Liberty at this point? You know, we are a team that represents New Jersey, parts of Connecticut, and parts of New York, and we don't all come together to train. We have usually about a 200 to or 250 uh, count for the number of people that attend the games when we travel. Now, this year, the games were supposed to be in 2020 in New Jersey, but they got 
postponed and it'll be virtual next year, we would have probably had, you know, they're expecting about a team of a thousand attending. So pickleball players, I would have imagined we would have had a few hundred. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a great sport, like you said, and, you know, just to bring people together and to to kind of socialize. So what precautions do you have to take, you know, having had a transplant or, you know, if somebody's an organ donor when it comes to actually playing pickleball? So the general guidelines for anybody who's a recipient is to ironically kind of live a life of what COVID has taught us. Wash your hands. Don't touch doorknobs. Use your elbows and arms and things like that. When it comes to pickleball, it it wouldn't have really been anything different than a normal, just be careful if someone's coughing, sneezing or whatever. You don't go near people that are sick. That's just sort of the generic how to be a good transplant recipient and try to stay away from germs and stay healthy. Exercise, right? So pickleball takes care of that. As far as a donor, a living donor, they have no restrictions after donation. That would involve any problem at all for playing pickleball. Kidney donors are told not to like really play serious contact sports, but I know many donors, They, I mean, a good friend of mine is the oldest living donor. She's 70 years old and she jumps out of airplanes with her grandkids. So there's really not any restrictions on, on that. The recipients in the beginning have to just go slow. You have to make sure they have the muscle mass rebuilt. They have to make sure they have the stamina. And, you know, just like anything else they would be doing, they would just have to enter slowly and build up to it. But, you you know, pickleball is gentle in, in the beginning. You can, right, you can play it any, at any level. So I always say to people, listen, if, if you've played catch with a ball ever in your life, you could probably play pickleball. Matter of fact, I'm pretty certain I can teach anybody how to play this game. It sounds like you've already taught a lot of people with the the groups that you've described in terms of, you know, those those are some pretty big numbers. Yeah, I mean, I'd be, you know, I have a really soft spot in my heart for 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 people that don't have an athletic ability and really were sort of this didn't have the opportunities in school or maybe even in the neighborhoods as kids to play sports because they just didn't have that kind of ability. A pickleball lets you play it. So I've had people say, oh, no, I can't do that. I, I was never athletic. You know, I'm the art kid. I'm the music kid, whatever. I, I couldn't I couldn't do sports. And then they come and they play and they laugh and everybody's laughing and enjoying it. And they realize like, well, wait a minute, you know, I, I could do this. And I love that spark. And I had someone else come to me and say, look, my son's friend had a terrible car accident and he was an excellent tennis player. He's now wheelchair bound. He wants to see if he can play pickleball. I'm like, all right, I have never taught someone in a wheelchair pickleball, but I've messed around teaching people in in a wheelchair for tennis. So let's do it. And he came and he didn't have a, a sports chair, but he was able to hit within a few minutes if I could get it near to him. And uh, so he said he was going to call me when he gets his sport chair. And that's that's one of the things I'd really like to get more into is if I could learn more about how to teach people how to play this sport who might be in a chair and unable to. You know, and I saw that there's, you know, I think it's called rock and roll pickleball. It's teaching and, and intermingling people wheelchair bound and, and, and upright folks. And I think that's great. 
Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, I did have a podcast where I interviewed a couple people involved in wheelchair pickleball. So I may have some contact info to help you out there. Excellent. I would love that. I, I was a, a ski instructor last winter at a program for kids. And they were like inner city kids that would never have had a chance to go skiing. And the same thing goes, I think, for pickleball. Like it should be in all the schools and the schools that don't have the budget for it. And I love that USAPA has grant programs and I've applied for grants and gotten them for for several community programs. It, It really, to me, is an endless opportunity to introduce this. I've seen that there's people out there introducing it into prisons and seeing the camaraderie and the, the ability for people to get some joy back into their life that maybe didn't have so much or had things go wrong, you know, made a wrong decision and things just didn't work out. It is a great game. So let me go ahead and finish up the interview just with a couple more questions. And I always do like to ask somebody about their pickleball paddle. You said you have 12 of them, but which one do you prefer to play with and why? Yeah. So my favorite is the Engage Maverick. And the reason for it is it has a tennis racket feel to it. It is weighted more in the head of it uh, as far as the balance goes. And I like the uh, two-handed space for the, the handle. So it's got a long handle. It also is got a, a nice feel for touch. And I'm a very slicey, top spin, side spin ball person, <laughs> tennis or pickleball. And so for me, it just felt instantly like, oh, this feels really good. And I started to, you know, play around with different weights. So I, I got a lighter, I guess it's the encore that Engage makes. And and I like that for if my elbow or my shoulder is bothering me because I overdid it playing four or five hours or maybe six hours in a given day, then I'll go to the lighter one. Then other people were like my husband started to play and he's not a tennis player. So then I was like, well, Prince has a really nice big sweet spot. Let me get him the Prince response. And he likes that paddle, but he has a little bit of a knee thing. So reaching, it doesn't give you as much reach. So now I bought, then I went off and bought the Prince model that has the longer handle. I got that probably about two weeks ago. And he's like, oh, this is a great paddle. Thanks for getting it for me. And I was like, oh, well, I was kind of thinking it for me, but yeah, it should be for you. Okay. (laughs) And I really like the head paddles. You know, people, I have a large hand. I think the head paddle, you can get a smaller, you know, probably all of them, you can get a smaller dimension, but somehow I stumbled on head. And so I have a bunch of head paddles. So what if I'm teaching students? And I think that they have a nice price point and they're accessible to get for people. I like guess that. I should just really call you a, a pickleball paddle connoisseur, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or junkie. I'm not sure which. Well, all right, then to finish up today, if somebody wants to reach out to you, where's the best place to get in contact? I am the pickleball instructor at the Strand Tennis Center in Chatham, New Jersey. I also have the Facebook group called Pickleball Time Dash New Jersey. And I just officially started an LLC called MD Pickleball Academy. So I'm, I'm reachable on social media. I'm reachable by cell phone text. Pretty much any way someone can find my name, I'm happy to, to connect. 
All right. Well, that sounds great. And I really do appreciate you being on the podcast today. I really appreciate you having me on the podcast today. Thank you so much. What a, what a pleasure to, to chat with you today. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 